Hello, I'm back again with a new series of The English Wine Diaries. My name is Rebecca Pitcan. I'm an editor, journalist and founder of The Southern Quarter, an online magazine all about English wine. Join me each week as I sit down with a special guest and talk all about their English wine journey. From sommeliers to vineyard owners, hoteliers and some rather familiar faces too, discover how a love of wine, particularly that made on British soil, has helped shape their life and careers. Welcome to the English Wine Diaries podcast. My guest today is Christopher Moore, the chief executive of the Clink Charity, which trains prisoners to gain City and Guild's qualifications in hospitality. When released from prison, they are found employment, accommodation and are fully supported. The scheme has dramatically reduced reoffending rates of those who have taken part by 65%, which is just phenomenal. Prior to joining the Clink, Christopher worked for Fenwick as head of group restaurant, where he created and operated 37 restaurants across 12 UK sites. And prior to that, he was restaurant general manager at Harrods, where he developed the company's in-store restaurants and food hall eateries. Chris, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we get on to the clink, um, which is the main thing I sort of want to talk talk about today, because it's just such an amazing um, charity. Um, but I wanted to ask you to go back to how you first got into hospitality. All oh, right. Well, good morning. Um, I got into hospitality really just from a love of food, cooking at home with my mother and uh, my grandmother, um, and obviously having holidays in hotels and just just being really excited by food and used, used to experiment a lot. So as soon as I could work, when I was about 15, I got a job in a local old people's home, just sort of washing up in the kitchen at weekends and getting my hands dirty and slowly sneaked into doing a bit of cooking. And then when I left school, uh, I went to Catering College in Leicester to train as a chef to do my City and Guilds qualifications. And then from there went on uh, to work in the States with Holiday Inn, doing a, a management degree out there. But uh, it was certainly from the, the home and, and the love of food around the home that uh, got me excited about wanting to be in this fantastic industry. And obviously, this is a predominantly a wine podcast. So I wanted to ask you about, can you remember your first experience of wine? I can, yes. Um, it was Sunday lunches. It was the only time of the week my parents used to drink. And um, it was quite a, I don't know, it's, it's quite difficult, I think, to drink in those days. I remember them having to go to a wine shop to get to go and buy the wine. It wasn't just on the shelves in a supermarket. My father used to go to somewhere called Augustus Barnett on the outskirts of Birmingham. And uh, there were delights like Hock and Leafrow Milk and Matthias <laughs> Rosé and the Wicker Baskets. All the best and ones back then. <laughs> they were. They, they were absolute winners. Um, and then um, for Sunday lunch, me and my sisters would normally have a glass of wine, a glass of water, but my father would put a drop of wine in it, especially if it was red, and we felt we were joining in. So it was always part of the, the family meal table. Oh, that's so fun. And um, what about English wine? Can you remember your first taste of English wine? I can. And it was um, not that long ago, actually. It was probably the early 90s, so sort of 93, 94. Um, I live in Surrey, not too far away from Denby's. And I remember going on a wine tour there just after it had opened. And again, the, the grape varieties in those days were a lot of the German varieties that they planted originally. So I think that's probably the first English wine I, that I remember trying anyway. And can you remember what you thought of the wine? Um it's improved a lot over the years, hasn't it? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it's, um, yes, it, it, the, the English wines have just got better and better and better. And I think in the last five to ten years, really, you just cannot compare them to what was produced before. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of new grape varieties being grown 
in the in this country now that we didn't have before. Yeah, no, there is. Now, obviously, on to um, the clink, which is the main thing I want to talk to you to, uh, talk about today. Um, and um, obviously, you can't, unfortunately, serve wine in the clink restaurants. Um, but I wanted to um, ask you, for, for those who don't know anything about the clink, um, obviously, I, I, I said a little bit about it in the intro, but could you just explain the concept behind it, how it started, and what exactly the purpose and concept is? So the the thing was set up really to address address the challenge of 80,000 men and women in prison. Um, And of those released every year, 47% go back to prison, mainly because they haven't got a bed, they haven't got a job, and they haven't got support. So the clink was set up to break that cycle of crime. So we're effectively a catering college. So we've built fine dining restaurants in prisons, uh, in Surrey, they're in Highdown, and in uh, London, they're in Brixton. We have one in Cardiff and one style in Cheshire as well. And those restaurants are to create a real-life working environment where men and women in the last six to 18 months of their sentence can volunteer to sign up to work towards gaining their city and guilds, national vocational qualifications in hospitality. But actually, at the same time, they're gaining confidence, motivation, and pride in improving their soft skills, learning to work as part of a team in an environment that doesn't look or feel like prison. The other group of people we're training is the public, by allowing the public to come in and dine with us to give our students the experience they require, we're actually teaching and helping the public understand that the prison population is just made up with people like us. And if we were there, we would want a second chance. So we train them uh, for the last 18 months. When they're nearing release, our full-time support workers come alongside them, make sure they've got a CV, they've got somewhere to live, they've got a bank account, and we arrange interviews for them as well. So on the day of release, we meet them at the gate and take them to their accommodation, probation and their interviews. And we're there for them 24-7 to help them readjust back into society for at least the first 12 months. And by doing that, we can dramatically reduce the chances of them reoffending by up to 65%. And the hospitality industry, as you've probably heard recently, is continuing to have a major skill shortage. There's 188,000 vacancies at the moment in hospitality. So we can absolutely place every single one of our graduates into full-time work in the industry, work ready with the experience and qualifications they need. I mean, it is absolutely amazing because if we can actually um, talk a bit about if, you, if, you, if you're not involved in a scheme like this, what happens to prisoners usually? They literally are just sort of let out of the gate with their little bit of money that they've got and then just left to their own devices. Yes, I mean, there's obviously a lot of good things going on within the prison service and and like-minded organisations, both inside the gate and outside, but a lot of them don't work both sides. So somebody could be really trained well in prison, but the other agency doesn't know that they're being released maybe on a Friday. The government release payments just doubled actually up to £79. Uh, They've been stuck at 46 for quite some time, um, which which is a help. But ultimately, you could still be released from prison with no friends, no family, on a Friday with no accommodation, and you're stuck. And if you've got nowhere to go, uh, you might go and have a a nice bite to eat and a a few drinks. But actually, going back to prison where you've got your own bed, three meals a day, a television, and maybe even your friends is quite an attractive offer if you haven't got that help and support you need to be reintegrated back into society. So what are the sort of appeals for the prisoners? Um, I mean, I've been to, to one of the restaurants and um, actually first, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the public can expect if they book a table um, at one of the clink restaurants. What can they expect from the experience? 
I think there's, there's lots of experiences, really. Um, one, you're going into a prison, um, and actually you can leave again afterwards as well. So that, that's, that, that's uh, something that you couldn't normally do. Um, but actually, you have an excellent meal. Um, the, the menu and the dishes prepared or local, seasonal produce, everything's made from scratch, even our soups, sauces, pastas. Um, and you're helping somebody change their life. You're helping them gain a qualification. But the byproduct is obviously an excellent meal, um, our only barometer is, is TripAdvisor, and uh, we've been number one uh, for each of our restaurants on many occasions, um, which I think is a really good barometer of how the public engage with us. And it doesn't mean we give the best food and the best service, but it, it shows that um, the public are prepared to come alongside and help us with our aim to change someone's life. And so, I mean, I, I could sort of talk talk people through what, you know, you, you go in and you check in um, and that's externally, so you're not in the prison. And then you're taken through, aren't you? Various checks are done and you're taken through as part of a group with a key holder who takes you through and you've got your ID on to make sure that you're, you know, all safe to go in there and everything. And then you're taken through and past the gates where, you know, you've got the barbed wire and you've got the security gates and everything. But past all of that, when you walk into the restaurant, it is like a proper fine dining restaurant. It is, yes. And all the furniture has been made by prisoners in Franklin Prison in Durham. It's le leather upholstery furniture. We have artwork on the walls, which is produced by serving prisoners through the Kersler charity. We have needlework, which is produced by fine cell work. So the restaurants, whilst they look like a fine dining restaurant on the outside, they're also excellent showcases to show the many great things going on around the prisons and, and all the goods that they can produce. And you also produce cookbooks every now and again, don't you, of the recipes? We do, yes. We have five cookbooks uh, and a lot of recipes from our students, our employees, our chef ambassadors. Um, and that's a great way um, to uh, raise funds for the charitable work that we do. Because whilst we're a restaurant, um, we are a charity and ultimately we're a catering college. So we are constantly having to raise money in order to change people's lives. It is not a profit-making entity at all. And going back to those lives that you're changing, can we talk about um, some of the success stories? Because your graduates go on to work in some of the um, best sort of restaurants and hotels um, in the country, up in London and, and various other cities across the country. Um, do you have any particular success stories that you're able to mention? Every single one of those is successful, <laughs> really. But um, no, they, they, they do very, very well. And the majority of our students do, our graduates, go into full-time employment within the hospitality industry. Occasionally, some people go back to their original trades they were in before. But we'd like to think the time they spent with us, they've gained uh, some social skills, customer service skills, and can cook as well. So we've uh, placed... Uh, men and women into fine dining restaurants, private members clubs. Um, we've got one in the Royal Navy currently um, as a steward. Um, and uh, one of our graduates, uh, Kevin, was in Bake Off, uh, the, the professional, uh, a few years ago. Uh, Grant won uh, Scottish Game Chef of the Year two years ago. So they've all done really, really well. And what's nice now, we're in our 11th year, is that some of our graduates are now head chefs of these organisations. And they're actually employing some of our graduates. They're coming back into the clink to deliver masterclasses as well to show what can be achieved if you put your mind to it.
That's just absolutely astonishing. It's amazing. Um, I, I, I've done, we've done some work together before in um, in our previous sort of, uh, my previous sort of um, jobs and things. Um, and, and it is amazing to speak to actually the people that are working there. And I think, you know, the point that you made that the public enable you to help them gain these sort of, you know, um, social skills, I suppose, as well. That's a big part of it, isn't it? It's not just about the um, qualifications that they're getting. It's also about them being able to interact with the public because otherwise they're behind closed doors for sort of 23 hours a day or would other, would otherwise be yes absolutely and that's i think that's just as important not as more important than the actual academic qualifications just normally in prison if you trained you train for two hours in the morning and go back to your cell to eat lunch by yourself in your cell for another two hours then train again for two hours in the afternoon so sort of a 20-hour working week with a 10-hour siesta isn't sort of getting you ready for uh, life on the outside so by coming to the clink for eight hours a day but they also actually sit together around a table like a little family like a work team before the customers come for lunch and that's really good to build their confidence and their skills and also become a little family really a lot of People are in prison because of no family or the wrong family. So actually to really engage and help them to be confident in themselves, say, well done, I'm proud of you. Um, it really goes a long way and it builds them up. And quite often when our students come in, their identity is their past, what they've done wrong or how many times they've been in prison. But fairly soon on, that changes for their hope for the future, how many qualifications they've got, how many nice comments in the customer guest book when, when diners left. Um, and it's just great to see that the lights come on and that passion ignite, which is great. And of course, it's not just the restaurants. You've mentioned a few of the other um, uh, the, 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 the um, furniture and everything like that. But you've also got the Clink events and other projects um, that are part of the Clink charity. We have, yes. So we have the, the four Clink restaurants. We have three farms and gardens also in prisons where we teach horticulture. Uh, we grow all our crops there uh, to go into the restaurants. And in Send in Surrey, we keep chickens as well. We've also set up Clink events that you mentioned four years ago. And this is, was to really look at how we can stop people going to prison in the first place. So we are now an accredited caterer at about 15 venues in central London, including um, St Paul's Cathedral, the Guildhall, Trinity House, um, Woolwich Works. Um, and we can cater for events, for dinners up to 600 people, cocktail parties for 1,000. And all that food has been made by our students in prison, but the, this food is served by our students from the Centrepoint charity and some of our Clink graduates. So we can train them up to get their qualifications and get them into work before potentially they went down the wrong route, which may have led to a custodial sentence. And with Clink events, that is actually the only brand we serve alcohol. And one of our favourite uh, sparkling wines that we serve is from uh, Italy near Rimini called uh, San Patriano. And this is a sort of uh, prison stroke commune that's been set up where instead of being sentenced to go to prison, if you've got drug or alcohol addictions, um, you can be sent there for several years to actually work as part of that community. They do everything from make furniture to breed racehorses, make the best cheese, but also wines as well. Um, and it's a really nice link. So we can clink events serve sparkling wine or prosecco um that's been made by prisoners in italy that's so amazing i love that idea have you been there have you been to the vineyard i have yes i spent two days there about three or four years ago absolutely fantastic and whatever they did they did it to the best of their ability there was about 1400 men and women um and uh, they all live together and you live in groups um 
same-sex groups and you have a buddy and that buddy does not leave your side at all and you've all got to be equal so if if we both knew how to cook we our team wouldn't be allowed to do catering we'd have to go and learn a new skill like woodwork or, or uh, something else um, but then you're trained to the very highest standard and they have shops in Milan uh, and Rome and, and they, they sell their wares there but it's a great uh, enterprise and we, we try and promote it as much as we can by buying their fantastic produce. Sounds amazing. I mean, perhaps with the way the English wine industry is going, that's something we could, I don't know, could that ever be something that could happen here, do you think? I think it could, absolutely, yes. I mean, I think the danger of prison is that you take people so far away from society that it's really hard to engage when you come back. But at the same time, people do need punishing. So maybe for some of the lesser crimes, there is a halfway house model, like I've just described, in this country that could also help industry as well produce fantastic produce. Yeah, it would be amazing. And talking of sort of projects, what other, is there anything else that the Clink's got in the pipeline at the moment? I know we've spoken before and you've said it would be a sort of dream for the charity to open more restaurants. Yes, we've, um, obviously the pandemic sort of rather put place for that. So uh, we're not going to open any more restaurants. But what we did announce in April this year is a new model called Clink Kitchens. Now in England and Wales, there are 117 different prisons and they are feeding the 80,000 men and women in prison every day. And the prisoners cook the food with the hardworking in-house caterers from the prison service. But very few of them actually get qualifications and most of them don't get help and support on release and still 47% re-offend. So Clink Kitchens was set up to put a chef trainer into 70 of the 117 prisons across the country to train up the men and women cooking the prisoners' food to get their qualifications, but will then meet them at the gate and help them into work. This way, by the end of 2023, we'll be able to train 2,000 men and women a year to go into the hospitality industry. It's just fantastic. It really is. Now, I want to go back on to you now, actually, and talk a bit a bit more about your history. Um, how did you get from, because obviously you, you worked at, at, at Phoenix Group um, and Harrods as well. Um, I mean, you must have seen some amazing wines and food and, and had to have perhaps travelled quite a lot as well for that. Yes, I mean, I've been very fortunate, obviously, working in hospitality, um, your life does tend to revolve around food and wine and hotels. And um, e- even with a clink, um, it has as well and had um, many amazing wines in some very obscure places uh, that I've been very lucky to experience. And do you have a favourite wine? Can you pin one down? Uh, the, my favourite wine that I've uh, drunk in, in the past. I mean, my... Yes. The, I think the most memorable wine I've had was a couple of years ago. I was invited to a dinner by Paul Roger in St. John's College, Cambridge. And we had a dinner uh, by Candlelight in Wordsworth Study, which is an amazing setting. And we were drinking the new uh, Churchill range of champagne. But also the uh, representative from Paul Roger brought along a 124-year-old bottle of Paul Roger. And in 1901, their cellars collapsed with a 20-metre sinkhole. And it was deemed too dangerous to go into the cellars, so they left it. But in 2019, they started excavating and found actually there were a lot of very good preserved bottles of champagne. So we were very fortunate enough to try this 124-year-old bottle of Paul Roger, which was um, still drinkable, uh, very rich in colour, but uh, amazing and just a fantastic setting to, to experience it in as well. 
That's astonishing. There's so many funny stories like that that people just aren't aware of. That, and you've managed mm. to try that one of those bottles. That's so amazing. Mm. Do you have a, a favourite food and wine combo? I think uh, yes, yes is the answer. I mean, I think for um, a red wine, it would definitely be a Chateau Neuf de Pape if we were sticking in the old world with a very nice juicy steak. Um, it would be very nice. But equally, I, I do like my white wines as well, and a very nice crisp. Um, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc uh, with some smoked salmon or something would be excellent. And I think my, my, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to New Zealand last year and spent quite a bit of time in Marlborough yeah, uh, doing some research and uh, visited Yalens. And Yalens, uh, the first carbon neutral wine to be produced, I think worldwide, they started in 2008 and just an amazing approach to um uh, running a vineyard in today's uh, climate and with uh, sort of um, sustainability at the heart of what they do. Yeah. So how does sustainability come into what you guys do at the Clink, actually? There's, there's many ways, I think. You can look at it from the traditional piece of uh, we grow our own vegetables, we compost our food waste, we turn our use fryer oil into biodiesel oh, but wow. actually and actually the other, the other thing is all our all our trainees walk to work because they're, they're obviously in prison <laughs> well of so course yes. very environmentally friendly <laughs> but i'd also like to think um sustainability of people really taking broken people that are in, in prison and making them whole and repairing society i think that's equally as sustainable really mm. so you could look at it in both ways um my, my sort of last question that I, I always ask everybody and it's, it's a wine related question but I think you know having um the clink been around for over well 11 years now um it's celebrated a, a big obviously 10th anniversary um last year and, and 11 years this year um if you were to be toasting um you know only ever be able to drink one more wine for the rest of your life to toast the clink and everything that you've done there and the team's done there what would that wine be I think it would have to be a local wine. So I would toast with a glass of uh, Albury Vineyards Blanc de Blanc, uh, which uh, has done very, very well. I think it was in 2016 or 2018 it won its gold medal. And um, it's been great to watch Nick and Lucy develop that vineyard over the years. Um, but most amazing wines. So that would always be my go-to. And I like the fact you brought it back to local again. We like that. <laughs> and actually, I say that was my last question, but you've just brought up awards. And I should just before we go, I should ask about the awards that Clink has won, because it has won a number of awards, hasn't it? it, it it's won a few. It's not something we went after, but um, we've managed to collect 74 over the last 11 years. <laughs> Um, just a few then a whole range whether it be the princess royal award or charity of the year out of 161,000 charities um or local surrey awards and obviously um uh, surrey life uh, awards get included in that but ma many others and i think it was important that um, it was recognised that actually we, we are a credible charity and we can produce some excellent men and women that can go on to help the next generation of the hospitality industry. So um, we can stand up against the the, the great in uh, the industry and certainly with our Clink events uh, catering at the Guildhall, we're up against probably 12 of the top caterers in the country. Um, the difference with us is that you'll still get a good meal, but you're changing someone's life at the same time as well. It's, I think that's such a lovely feeling. What an amazing thing to be able to go to a restaurant or go to an event or organise an event and have have that, know that you're helping people's lives. It's it's just incredible. So how do people go about um, booking to come to the restaurant or if they were interested in your Clink events? So to support the Clink charity, please visit our website, which is theclinkcharity.org. On there, you can book tables for restaurants. You can find out about our events. We have gift vouchers and an online shop 
that you can buy uh, relishes, jams, aprons, cookbooks, mugs, and all those uh, profits go in to help the charity to change lives. Fantastic. Well, Christopher, thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's been amazing to talk about the clink and all it's done over the last 11 years. And um, let's uh, hope it continues for many, many more years to come. Thanks very much, Rebecca. That was Christopher Moore from the Clink Charity, which does such an amazing and important job in rehabilitating prisoners. I would urge you, if you haven't been, to please book a table at one of their restaurants. It really is a fantastic experience. And to know that you are giving something back, I think, makes it that extra bit special. If you've enjoyed this episode of the English Wine Diaries, please like and subscribe. And don't forget to check out thesouthernquarter.co.uk to discover more about English wine and the people who make it. I'll see you next week, but in the meantime, cheers. Cheers.